How many? Happy New Year, officially. First, first Sunday of the year. Uh, I'm super stoked to get into this um, and then to get on our way to watch the Browns beat the Bengals today. I thought I heard dogs barking. I don't, maybe that's just in my head. I don't know. All right. Um, I'm a Browns fan, and I'm proud of it this year. This year. There was lots of, like, group texts going around with, like, bandwagon uh, submission forms, like, applications, uh, that you can join the bandwagon of a Browns fan as well. Uh, because there's not, there's, it, it's not been all that great the last 20, 30, 40, even 50 years. About 50 years, it's been a, it's been a very, you, you are loyal if you're a Browns fan. Uh, but man, we're, we're excited. We're excited today. We're launching a 21-day fast. And uh, we have resource guides we passed out. They'll be at a table on your way out if you came in late or just missed those. Um, they're, they're just resource guides. There's podcasts on there. There's some, uh, a devotional book you can download as well as uh, just some websites and some things. Jensen Franklin is, a, is an incredible resource for fasting. He has had a heart for fasting for decades, has some books out, has a lot of great resources if you're interested. Um, and some of his stuff is on that download. And then also Oasis Bible Study put out a Bible reading plan. Um, it's cool. They use the Bible Project printouts. I saw Steve hanging those through the week. They're on that wall. Uh, it's not too late to join up and um, just, just get involved. Uh, I'm doing a little bit of a different plan just because I already had a Bible printed, like a year Bible that takes me through daily. So it's just easier for me to grab that and do that. Uh, so I, I can't wait. It's been really a great way to start my day each day this week as well as, um, man, it's just fun what you learn when you just go through the Bible just to read it. Not to prep, not to prep a sermon, not to, not to study something, not to prove something right or wrong, but just to, just to be, just to, just to be hungry. And uh, so it's been good. Each year, uh, we, we do this. Each year, we seek the Lord. We, we do this for the first 21 days. Um, now, fasting can look different for each person. Uh, typically, biblical fasting is food of some sort, uh, whether that's sun up to sundown. Maybe that's a day a week. Maybe that's just removing something from food, but typically biblically it would be fasting. I would say, and I would, I, would, I would challenge you to do something with food, but you know, maybe going out 21 days on a water-only fast might be a little extravagant for you if you've never fasted before. All right? I don't want to see you crash on day two and get frustrated and never fast again. So, so pace yourself, all right? Moderate, do, do something. But I'll say in today's culture, one of the more toxic things that we could probably fast is social media. TV, some of those entertainment things and trade that time or, or whatever that is. And maybe you would usually get in bed and do that for 10 minutes. Maybe read your Bible for 10 minutes. That's, that's a great idea. But anyway, fasting is simply seeking the Lord, putting him first, sacrificing something and trading God time with it. Does that make sense? That's in the most basic form of what fasting is, trading something uh, that we can give up that's sacrificial and filling it with something godly just to seek him and put him first and draw near to him. It's not works, all right? God is not going to love you anymore if somebody fasts 21 days compared to three days. He's not going to love you anymore, all right? He already loves you um, infinitely, all right? So that's not, it's not a performance thing. It's just to draw near to him and remove some of the noise and, and sounds. Uh, so we're excited. Also, does everybody have a dream card, your vision cards? We do this every year. Um, if you don't, those will also be on your way out. There's a vision card. On the front, it has this graphic we're going to throw up here for the rest of today, pretty much. Uh, and it has a picture of a beach and, and the fire. You will know a little bit more about this and why here in a little bit. But it has three words. What are they? Fire, fish, bread. 
So those are the three words. That's, that's kind of what our vision is for the year, and we'll get into that here in a moment. That's what today is. Uh, but on the back, if you flip that around, um, it has that verse, but it also has Habakkuk about writing the vision down and writing things down. And then it has two categories of dreams. It has spiritual and natural. I, I think there's nine of each. So if you flip your cards on the back, uh, there's, there's dreams. We are a church that wants to cultivate creativity, dreaming, faith, all of these things, all right? And it's, it's in you. It's who the Lord is, all right? So it's okay to dream naturally. It's okay to dream um, to be out of debt and to have a, a nicer car or that promotion or whatever. Those natural dreams, they're okay as long as God's first. And, and I think sometimes I get into that of like not putting that thing above the Lord. As long as God's first, the, the stuff is okay, as long as he's not, it's not the idol. As long as we're not putting it first and seeking that first and seeking wealth and seeking those things, it's the, it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. Not money itself. Money's neutral. If you think about it, you take a dollar bill, it's neutral. All right? It could, it could be used to feed hungry mouths. It could be used to print Bibles in the languages for tribal groups that don't have Bibles. It could be used for so much good, Right? But then it could also be used for prostitution and drugs and all kinds of bad, evil things. Money itself is neutral, but with the hands, in the hands of a right heart, it's good. In the wrong heart, it's bad. So, so that's the thing with dreams. Dreams are good as long as God's first and the heart of the intention is to pursue him. So that's why we always do 10 spiritual, 10 natural. I would advise, try to do the spiritual ones, as many of them as possible first, then some natural, and then mix them in. So it's just we want to make sure. And then put that on your fridge, put that in your Bible, tuck that away. And then at the end of the year, just see what all has happened. Each year on New Year's Eve, my wife and I and our kids, we, we take an hour and a half. Uh, we have this fun uh, celebration the way we do New Year's. And uh, Nicole has these brown lunch bags. And each of them has like an hour or, or like a half hour, whatever, five, six, six thirty, seven. And each one we pull out and then it's the activity. So... It's play board games, it's dance party and photo booth, it's, it's all these things. And then one is, is vision and dream boards. And what we do is for about an hour and a half, we just clip things and cut things and print things and we make these vision boards and it's things that we are declaring and wanting and asking the Lord for for the year. And uh, we do that every year. So this is a version of that, that you're just making a declaration. Last week we talked about the power of declaration, the power of the word, and the power of writing it down. And then when we get done with our vision boards, we take them out, and uh, usually before we start, we, we go through our old boards. We pull out our ones from last year, and we go through what all the Lord has done. And it's amazing to see what, what the Lord answered, those prayers, those declarations. Uh, I had had a turkey on my board for like six years uh, to get a harvest, a turkey. And I got to say this year, I got my first turkey. So... I put a new turkey on the board because one of my daughters wants to go turkey hunting with me, so I put her name on it. So this year, it's still turkey, but it's not for me. It's for her. So anyway, that's what those cards are. Um, uh, just a, a couple. The other thing that we do today is just cast vision. And we say, what are, what are we as a body, as a church, uh, pursuing? What are we pushing into with the Lord? What, let, me, let me reword that. What are we following the Lord in this year? I like that better. I don't want to ask the Lord to come join what I want or what, what we're doing, but Lord, we want to follow you. We want to submit to your vision. Uh, so the last part of the year, last few months of the year, I sought the Lord and just began to ask him, Lord, what do you want for Upper Room this year? What do you want us as a body in this region, in this city, in, this, in these families, in these homes, and in, in these spheres of influences as they, as they go out and scatter and spread the gospel? What do you want? And I heard very clearly the word fire. 
That we want fire. We want the fire of the Holy Ghost. We want the fire of the Holy Spirit. We want the, the fire of God, all right? And now that comes in very many ways, and, and I want to just kind of dive into that. So one of the things we do, we do an invitation, and we do a focus each year. So the invitation last year, if you remember, it was Psalm what? Anybody remember? In 2023, Psalm? Oh, it was Psalm 23. So Psalms 23 was an invitation last year. Not, not necessarily to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but all the other good things that came from that, right? So, so that was the invitation. And then the focus, anybody remember the three words for focus last year? Sabbath. We did one today. Communion. We did another one today. Worship. So the three words were, I'm, so, I'm glad they were so clear that everybody in here remembered them. They were worship, communion, and Sabbath. And we spent a time on each of those. And we, we spent on Psalm, Psalms 23 on that invitation. We spent a number of weeks on that. And then we worked through that. And then we even went through our core values, uh, the pillars in which we stand on, our mission, vision here. But also we focused on Sabbath for a number of weeks. Um, I, I'm imagining some of you got bored because we spent like nine weeks on Sabbath. And, and uh, it, now part of Sabbath, there were four parts of Sabbath. Anybody know those? Yes, our assistant pastor got it. Stop, rest, delight, worship. And that was the part of Sabbath, that, that you take a day, a part of a day, a mindset to stop, to stop everything, stop working, stop the busyness, stop the thinking about working, to rest, to slow down, to rest, to put God first, family next kind of, kind of mindset. And then to delight, to, to, to be thankful. Gratitude would be a, a synonym, synonym. For that, a synonym. Anyway. Rest, stop, rest, delight, delight. And Nicole shared stories about how she'd walk through the woods and do these things and just the Lord would grab her attention of things that she never focused on. Just the basic things of trees and sunlight and all of the grass and these weird hippie things. Anyway. And then the last one's worship. Obviously worship. Um, there's a commandment of remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, right? So keeping that holy and worshiping, putting God first. Uh, so that was kind of last year. Now this year, going into something different, I think it'd be fitting to go into Psalms 24. Don't you? So turn with me to Psalms 24. I'm going to be an NLT today. Psalms 24, the invitation is Psalms 24. The three words are vision, fire, fish, bread, yes. Next year when I ask you, collectively, we might remember those three. Maybe. It's possible. All right. Psalms 24. I love this invitation following up from Psalms 23. It says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Now, I love this part. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle. 
Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the king of glory. Just, just reach up from heaven right now and pull that, that invitation to your heart and just receive it. That who, and, and we'll get into this a little bit more at the end here, but man, those whose hands and hearts are pure, clean hands and a pure heart, who, worship, who don't worship idols, which what would be the opposite of worshiping idols, worshiping God, who never tell lies, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship. If you remember Psalms 23, it says, walk in the path of righteousness. Walk in the right path. So this is so cool, and I'm thankful for that invitation. All right, now the focus. Go with me to, to John 21. John 21. Um, it's awesome because uh, if you were with us around Easter time, we did a series called Simply Jesus. And we went through the eight times Jesus reappeared after the resurrection. Eight times he showed up, and then on the seventh, uh, there was this story here that we're going to read. I preached this message called Breakfast with Jesus. Would anybody in this room at all remember that? I think I saw one hand. I see two. Bless you. Bless you. People actually pay attention. Anyway, it was Breakfast with Jesus, and, and we're just going to read through this story again, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, uh, I'm not poking fun at you. I, I, you remember about 10% of what you hear, so, so bless the 10%. I'll, I'll make um, 90% of them bad and 10% good, so you can remember the 10%. Um, but anyway, preach this message, and Jesus reappears. It's the seventh time he reappears, and uh, here we go, John 21. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Now, we preached on this. We, we talked about it. If you want to go back and check that out, called Breakfast with Jesus in last April. And, um, then, and I told this story about the old men getting mad at me in Florida because I was catching fish and they weren't. Does that stand out? Stories stand out. Yes. So, then the disciples, verse 7, then the disciples loved, um, Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. I love that, that they couldn't see him, they didn't notice him, but they recognized his voice. I will, I will promise you this, as you fast, you will begin to hear the Lord's voice more clear. Maybe if you drink alcohol and you give up alcohol for 21 days, I promise you, you will hear the, the Lord's voice more clear. If you give up sugar, if you give up things and you begin to tune in to the Lord, you will hear the Lord's voice more clear. But they heard it. They recognized it. All right? And it says, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic and uh, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded uh, net to the shore. I, I just always find that funny. Like, Peter's such a wild man. He's cutting off ears. Like, like, he jumps out of the boat, heads to Jesus, just passion and like, full of passion, right? Peter is just full of passion. Reminds me of my brother a little bit. Just full of passion. And then he leaves the others in the boat to do the work and get it in. 
I don't know, though. Maybe swimming to shore was harder, but I just find that funny. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded uh, net to shore, and they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, and some bread. Now, now this is the focus verses for the year, verses 9 uh, through 12, I believe. It says, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal file, fire, and some bread. So you have fire, fish, and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have breakfast. Jesus said none of the disciples uh, dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to them since he had raised from the dead. Uh, seventh time total, third time to them. And it's funny, we went through the whole thing in, in April about him appearing third times. Peter denied him how many times? Three. He goes through the next section here to finish out the chapter, asking Peter about taking care of his lambs, his sheep, feed, take care of the sheep, right? We talked about the, the, the symbolism of that in April. But we're going to move on to talk about, just share into a little deeper focus of this vision, all right? Uh, three things. There's fire, okay? The charcoal fire. I believe when I preached this message that we weren't done yet. And when the Lord had put in my heart, and we had talked about that with some of the, uh, the leaders, like, yeah, I'm feeling that too. We, we had heard some stuff from the intercessors. We want, you know, about fire and just these things. And, uh, and then we, we kind of talked about it at our Christmas leader dinner and just about the fire of God and what that resembles. So I begin to pray into, okay, what's the context for this? What's the scripture? What, what do we push into? And I, and I know, like, there's the, the Pentecost day fire. There's that Pentecostal fire. There's that Holy Ghost fire. But then there's so much more to fire. And that's when the Lord said, hey, go back to this verse. And I, and I did, and I just felt like there's so many more components of fire. We want that day of Pentecost flames resting on heads, mighty rushing wind, miracle signs, wonders following them. We want the power of the Holy Spirit. We want that fire, all right? I, I just want to say that. We not, are not only open to it, we desire it. You're in a church that desires Holy Spirit, that's not afraid of Holy Spirit, that talks about Holy Spirit, that doesn't just diminish or leave out the third part of the Godhead because we're uncomfortable. We want Holy Spirit. The Bible says, earnestly seek after, earnestly desire all gifts. So we're a church that wants all gifts. We want the manifestations. We, we want the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We want Holy Spirit, okay? Let me just be very blunt about that. We're not afraid of Holy Spirit. There might be some uncomfortability, especially some of you who didn't grow up in churches that had Holy Spirit. And that's okay. It's okay. Get in your word. That's, that would be my encouragement. If you begin to get uncomfortable, search it out in the Word to prove it right. I would just add that. Not to prove it wrong. Don't Google it. Get in your Word. There's some power in that because there's many things that have been manipulated. So then because of that, people are against prophecy. Let me say prophecy is this gift from the Lord that was a love gift to show you or show others what the Lord's feeling about you that you may not be seeing yourself. It was never this thing of manipulation of, I feel somebody giving a $1,000 seed today so that we can build our own platform. That's not prophecy. That's manipulation. Or, or we see this, or, or we're going to say this prophecy to put fear in you to draw you to the altar. That's not prophecy. That's manipulation. Prophecy is literally saying what heaven is seeing, what the Lord's seeing in somebody, something, or an area. And it is a love gift. 
Just like Revelation, we look at Revelation. Revelation was never a book of the Bible meant to put fear in somebody to, to scare the hell out of them and get them to the altar. It was to get the love of the Father in them because it was an open vision of the beauty of heaven, of the promise, of the promise of his return, of the battle that's already won. It was a love gift to John. So we look at these gifts. These gifts are all love gifts, and we want them all. We want them all. We want tongues. We want prophecy. And, and the greatest, we want love. We want healing. We want uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues. We want all the gifts because all of that is biblical, and it's all in the Word, and we want to seek after what the Lord has to offer. Is everybody with me? If that scares you, I encourage you to just jump in. Jump in, give it a try. If you can't, then there's another church out there that's probably not operating them that might be a little more comfortable for you. And we are not offended by that. We actually bless you. We want you to be in a place where you can be family, where you can be covenant, where Nicole said, where you can be free and safe to mess up, to fall short, and somebody is there to brush you off, to pick you back up, to get you on course for the purpose God has in your life. We're not afraid of that. And there are dozens, if not hundreds of churches in this region that will do that. They may not be like us. They may not worship and have flags or have art on the stage. Like, and that's cool. If that offends you, bless you. There's churches out there that don't do weird things like that. But I'm okay to be weird. It's okay to be weird. The Bible calls us a peculiar people. And, and, and who classifies weird? As I read my Bible, they were doing way more weird things in the Bible than what we're doing now. I'll say this, as a paramedic, I have never stripped down and laid on a dead person to ask for their healing. I've never said, hey, you have something stuck in your eye. Sir, I'm a paramedic for Troy. I've never said, hey, you got something stuck in your eye. Let me grab this mud and rub it all in. Maybe you'll not be blind now. I've not done that. I've asked for if I could pray for healing and by his stripes they're healed so anyway there's weird stuff out there we're okay to be weird so fire there's Holy Spirit presence let me go through some symbolism of fire and then we'll move on comfort there's comfort in fire a fire a campfire if you think about a campfire it brings there's a belonging and there's an acceptance and there's a gathering in a campfire there's comfort and warmth warmth in a campfire there's there's that there's that thing like my mustache right now it just draws your eyes, and you can't take your eyes off of it. My mustache annoys my wife so much right now. And I'm, I'm like, really repentive of, like, Lord, I really want to do this, but I also want to honor my wife. What do I do? So I, I think I heard the Lord over there say, don't shave it. But anyway, the campfire like draws you in. It draws, it's this gathering place and, and it's this cool thing about that you belong. If you've ever been invited to a campfire, more people show up. You just get a little further back and add more heat to the fire. You have more wood. You, 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 you just build a bigger thing, right? And no one's left out. You, we, don't, we don't do that in our culture. It's the same thing with God's fire. As he builds a fire, he gathers people around it and everybody belongs and there's enough room for everybody. A couple other things with fire is it's where needs are met. If you think about fire used for cooking, fire used uh, for light, fire used for, for essential warmth and heat. Fire is this essential thing that, that we need and we live by. It's a guide. If you think back even to the Israelites, he led them by cloud by day, fire by night. 
It's a guide. Fire is a guide. If you think about original lighthouses, it was a fire with mirrors in there pointing out for ships to come in. The, the fire of God is a guide. It guides us. A couple other things is worship. Let me, let me just um, talk about this. This is an altar that uh, was built at our old building. We had a prayer room uh, in an upper room at, the, at our old building. And there's about six or eight of these. And that was just a prayer room. People would gather. Before service, there would be prayer time. There would be all these things. Our youth, we would gather in there and pray. And these were altars that, um, that somebody built. And, and now they're kind of, I think my dad has one at his house. Matt has one. A few others. And then we have one here at the church. And if you remember, in 2021, I, I, I started with building altars for the Lord. And uh, the first thing built on this property was an altar. There's a rock out there and a cross. If you see past the debris and the construction and the mud, there's this big cross out there and a rock. That was the second rendition of an altar. The first one, my dad and grandpa went out and they walked this property before he ever bought it, and they built this little makeshift altar. And my dad had an altar here, and he would come here and he'd pray and make declarations over this property that one day people would get saved, set free, healed, delivered. Find Jesus here. Amen. So, fire is a place. In the Bible, they would make these altars, and they would build these, these things, whether it be from animals or wood or, these, or oil, and they would create this. Most often in the Old Testament, it was an animal. And they'd create fire, and they'd burn that unto the Lord. So, so fires are, are altars, and they're also a, a, a realm of worship. All right, last, fire is baptism. There's the baptism of fire. Can I go in scripture on this for you? Okay. I believe in three, if not four, types of baptism. All right? And now is when I start to uh, overwhelm your theology. I believe in water baptism. That's biblical. I believe in um, baptism of the Spirit. And I believe in baptism of fire. And I believe in a baptism of love which would be an encounter with the spirit of adoption through the Father's love that you would see through agape love. All right? A L- little further out there, but I believe in that because the greatest gift of all is what? Love. I've seen a lot of people that can speak in tongues, that can prophesy, that can be whole, full of the Holy Ghost, but they're not loving well. They're not loving their family well. They're not loving their wives well. They're not loving their employees well. They're not loving the person serving them at the restaurant or the customer service person on the phone well. And they ain't got the baptism of love. So let's go into scripture on at least three of these. Matthew 3, 11, and 12. John the Baptist. Uh, we started to get into this in the Christmas story a little bit about Elizabeth being pregnant with John. He le- leapt for joy when even they, he encountered just Mary being there with Jesus in her belly. And then John goes on with his life and his purpose, right? And here we come to this place in Matthew three eleven through 12. And if you're in the one-year Bible reading plan, um, you, I don't know if you've read this through the Oasis plan yet. You probably will tomorrow. Uh, on Mondays, I think you're reading Genesis. But as I read this, I was like, yes, yes. And we read through, uh, at least my version, a few chapters of Matthew this week. It says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I, so much greater that I'm not worthy to even be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and fire. I believe in three baptisms. Water under repentance Baptism of Holy Spirit, baptism with fire. 
He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Maybe the baptism of fire is to captivate our heart to burn for him because he's an all-consuming fire. Let me tell you about my experience with baptism of fire. It was actually a tangible, physical experience. Um, and I don't know that all these experiences are this way. But I was at a youth camp, and there was a guy that called me out from the pulpit. I was out in that area over there. And he's like, the Lord wants to baptize you in fire right now. This was years and years and years ago. I was like, all right, I'm in. Because when I got saved and set free and delivered all in one encounter, I just said, because I was an atheist, and I said, God, you're, you're either all wrong or it's all true. So when I read my word, everything in my word, everything in this is an invitation for me to seek after, desire, and pursue, or at least be open to. <laughs> There's some things in here. I'm like, oh, that's weird, but be open to it. And one of them was baptism of fire. I'm like, okay, all right. He said, I want to pray for you, and you're going to receive the baptism of fire. All of a sudden, tangible heat. I'm talking so hot that you would pull away if you had touched that. Came into my hands, went all the way through my arms, and rested in my heart. And I had this burning in my heart. This was years ago. So, yes, I believe in the baptism of fire with some tangible evidence at this point in my life because he did that. Now, everybody needs an encounter, but everybody's encounter is different. I don't want us to get into this realm of thinking. Everybody has to experience this way. Everybody has to experience God this way. Your encounter is this way. You have to be laying on the floor. You have to be standing up. You have to have your hands raised. There is no formula, guys. There's no rules with God in that realm. You may need that loving, intimate touch of the Lord. You may need that healing touch. You may need that acceptance. Well, I don't know. Like, there is a blanket realm of what the Lord has in store for you and what you need in the way that you encounter him for him to prove his amazing, amazing reality. So, baptism of fire. I want the baptism of fire to fall in this place because when we are full of his spirit and we are baptized in fire, we will burn for him and others will see that burning as if we're on an altar burning incense for the Lord in this realm of worship and lifestyle. And let me tell you, if it's good, people will want to draw to that and draw to the source of that, who is Jesus Christ. All right, let me, let me finish this up. From there, Jesus went, gets baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist. They have this exchange. John's like, I'm not worthy. He's like, do it, do it now. It actually wasn't like that. But that happened, and then all of a sudden, the heavens open up. The dove ascends, descends, rests on Jesus. Everything's like total radical. And then the Father says, I love you, and with you I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't performed a miracle yet. He hadn't preached the Sermon on the Mount. He hadn't done anything yet. But the Father is saying over Jesus right there in that moment, I'm proud of you, son. I love you. Our love from the Lord does not come from performance and striving. It comes from receiving. Just for who he is. We're human beings, not human doings. We get to receive his love and just be still and know that he's God. Then from there... Jesus goes on this 40-day fast. We're entering 21. Jesus did 40. And then he gets tempted, right? Goes through the stuff. After that, it goes, it says, Jesus began his ministry. All right? And all of a sudden, it's, there's these crazy points that I love. In his ministry, it says that he would preach everywhere, repent, turn to God, and say that the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what the word says. 
as we're in Matthew and working through Matthew 4, it says, repent, turn to the Lord, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Meaning, he's giving this invitation that the kingdom of heaven is within reach. It's accessible. Think about that. The kingdom of heaven is within hand. It's within grasp. I can receive it. I can take it. I can go after it. It's, 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 it's for us. Then the next, go on a few other verses, a little bit further in the chapter. It says he was teaching in synagogues, and it says, quote, announcing the good news about the kingdom. Did you know the gospel's the good news? Tell everybody. There's a song. like This is the gospel. This is the good news. Tell everybody. My girls aren't even like, it's like one of our favorite songs in our house. I'm getting blank. You're dumb dad. Stop it. Move on, please. And then later on, it says, then he healed every kind of disease. Okay, so I'm going to close this part of fire out. Baptism, John's saying baptism of spirit and fire is coming. Somebody who's greater than me is bringing this. Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan. All of a sudden, fast, gets tempted, and then moves out into ministry. Then it goes into the Sermon on the Mount and all these things. But he preached, he taught, and he worked in miracles. Is, does the Bible not say we're to be like Christ? So we should be preaching and telling everybody about the kingdom of God. We should be teaching the good news, right? And offering the invitation of the kingdom. And we should be working in miracle signs and wonders because he's in us. So let's move on. Next is fish. Fish. Jesus is the bread of life. He alone is the bread. Jesus is the bread of life. He alone will sustain, quench our thirst. Uh, once we taste and see he's good, we want more, right? He is the bread. He is life. Bread also gathers us around him. Through communion, uh, Josh led bread, all right? His body, who Jesus is. It's, it's gathering and remembering him as we do that. The bread, it gathers people around the table. It gathers people around Jesus. It gathers people together to break bread, to have fellowship, to do these things. It also, if you recall, many of the kings and many of the things, when they bring something, they would bring, if you even think about Abram, they would bring bread and wine. And then they break and share that and then exchange things and make covenants with one another. There was this gift of bread, but Jesus became the bread of life. He alone is the bread. So we still have this focus. We want fire, but we still have this focus to commune and to be with him and to, to let him be our bread of life. Let his body be broken so we could be in wholeness. And then um, last is uh, fish. And I think I did those out of order. But the fish is very symbolic. Fish represents uh, souls, people. Oftentimes, the Hebrew word nephesh would be used interchangeably from fish and souls. There's this thing of symbolism of Jesus in this story and appearing to them about cast your net to the other side. This story of obedience, this story of submission, this story of not doing things your way, but doing things God's way. And then all of a sudden, there's harvest in that and there's fruit in that that we can gather in so many fish, our nets can hardly contain it. So, there's, so fish are, symbolis, are symbolic of, of people, of souls, and also discipleship. This realm of submission to the Lord and growing close to him. So those are the three things. Everybody, first one, fire. The next one in the right order, fish. And the last one, bread. Those are the focus. That's the heart for this year for Upper Room, that we will desire, be open to, and even earnestly seek after the fire of God, whatever that looks like for our lives. That we will um, be hungry for souls. That we will be hungry to cast our nets and see Jesus bring in a harvest just by the life that we're living in discipleship. Discipleship. 
And then last, bread. He is the bread of life. That we will gather in communion and worship around him. All right, here's what I want to do. Psalms 24, 3 through 6 is this beautiful invitation. If you could stand with me and the band could come. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? And it goes through these points. Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols, who do not tell lies, they will receive the Lord's blessing and they have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. So what a powerful invitation and what a powerful way to start our year. Is, is that, that we will ascend the hill. That, yes, send me, Lord. I will ascend your hill. That I will have clean hands and a pure heart. I will have right motives. As I serve you, I will have right motives to build your platform, not mine. I will have right motives to make you famous and pack out heaven, not fulfill my selfish desires. That, that I will not worship idols, but I will worship you. And that I will um, not make that an alternative. That I won't tell lies even white lies, even embellish stories or leave out truths. That I will receive your blessing and I will be in right relationship and that I will seek you and I will worship in your presence. That's a great invitation. And, and just let that be your invitation daily. Maybe, maybe remind yourself of that weekly or daily going into this year, especially this fast, that Psalms 24, and then that realm, because then... It says, basically, this is the, they will receive this. They will receive the blessing and right relationship to seek him and to worship in his presence. Man, I, I desire just that song we sang earlier, like, man, just to love him, to be captivated by his love. That next song, I, I only want you, Lord, only you. I don't care what the world has to offer. I don't care what distractions are out there. I don't care, you know, the hardships are very, very hard to go through. The trials, the things you may have faced in 23, the things you may be facing right now, I'm telling you, if, if, if you put Jesus first, it, it all works out. We know the story of Job and how he just continued to praise, and in the end, he was blessed double. I don't know what each of you are going through, but I know that the Lord has a plan through it, and I know his grace is more than sufficient to get you through it. That's all I know. I don't know why. I don't know why certain things happen. I don't know why trauma happens. I don't, I, sometimes it's, it's, it's associated with free will and selfish sin and selfish fulfillment. I, I get that. But then there's other things. Why? I, I don't know. But I do know this. God's good. God is faithful and he's just, like Steve said. So here's, here's what I had a vision for. I had a vision that we would start the year um, building an altar. As I read my one-year Bible, working through the first few chapters of Genesis, uh, several chapters. I, I took note, and I love how there's always these reminders as you go through and read your Bible. There's these reminders. The moment after Noah got off the ark, the first thing he did was build an altar. The first thing when Abram was shown this, all this land, the descendants of this, your inheritance, everything will be yours. The first thing he did was build an altar. And I love that. And it, and it brought me back to that place, like the first things we've built every time we've done anything in a building realm of this church or even this land was to build an altar first. So I thought it'd be fitting, honestly, just to ask you guys to all come up front. Um, just give me one second. 
we, the guys in this church, physically built this altar. We physically built this stage. Our hands built this. And I remember when we were measuring the height of it. This might sound weird, but I remember like, we're like, all right, well, how high is it when you kneel down? Now, it's probably built for a 6'2 guy, I imagine. I was like, no, I think it needs to be one inch higher. All right, well, maybe one inch lower. And then experts like Matt and Kurt were like, well, the number of stairs will determine how high. We're like, yeah, but it's got to be able to be knelt at because it's an altar. We're setting it apart for the Lord. And as we built it, we, we, we prayed over it. And we said, at this altar, let lives be transformed. We put a time capsule in there and these other things. And then at Christmas Eve, before we moved in here, we, we had declared that we would be in that, this building uh, that year. We didn't quite make it, but we had a Christmas Eve service, and we did candlelight and scripture writing. And on this altar and on these pieces of wood that are in here are scriptures and declarations of souls being saved, of lives being transformed, of Jesus being good, of us worshiping him. So I just thought it'd be fitting that we start this year out just, just offering him an altar as we start this fast, as we start this year, as we push into this vision for the church and whatever you may have for you and your family and your home. We have a mission statement in our home, and we revisit that. But I just felt like it'd be fitting to just call people up to this space that we call an altar. And however you see fit, just offer your altar and build it to the Lord. Let me finish with two stories. The first one is, is Elijah. And I just remember um, that got brought to me as Nicole was talking in Psalm today, and we'll read that in a moment. Elijah and the, the, the gods of Baal, right? And he builds this altar, and then he says, all right, come dump water on it. All right, come again, dump more water on it. And if you want to check this out, it's 1 Kings 18. And then all of a sudden, he's building this altar. And now he's like, all right, Lord, you are the true living God. Rain down fire. And God, he didn't, he, the others went first and no fire came, right? Elijah builds this, and he's mocking them. He's making fun. He's like, your God's dead. There is no, you know, kind of a, a realm. And then all of a sudden, he builds this altar. He's like, now add water. Because my God not only will start fire in this wood, he will start fire when it's drenched with water. And they just dump water and water and water. So much is flowing out. They built 12 stones around it. There was this process of building this altar. I'm getting somewhere. And he says, all right, God, bring rain down fire. God does. And he, and the hearts and everybody, like, man, imagine that. You're there. But it brought me to this revelation today as Nicole read Psalm 5.3. Uh, I want to reread it, what she said. She said, At each and every sunrise you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning I lay out pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. There's this process. There's, let me just, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I want to finish here. I'm taking longer than I anticipated, but I don't care. God's promises are yes and amen. Okay, so track with me here. God's promises are yes and amen. It's his promise, it's our process. It's his yes, it's our amen. Now, in building an altar, oftentimes in the Old Testament or wherever, you build the altar, but God would bring the fire. And in this realm with Elijah, they had to tangibly build an altar, physically build an altar. In that psalm, there was building an altar and laying our heart, laying our life down on the altar for God to bring fire down on it. I'm seeking fire this year, but there's still part of me in this process. I still got to build a fireplace. I still got to build a place for God to reside. I still have to build these things in my heart for God to rain down fire, even if there's water on it. 
I have to do this. And there's something about us stepping out and doing this. And I, I think maybe the, the alternate theme this year is like, get uncomfortable. I think sometimes we're like, okay, put hands on your heart. Let's pray. Raise your hands. Let's pray. All right, bless you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday. No, I believe there's something that he said that sometimes we got to sow into something. Sometimes we got to build something. Sometimes we got to sacrifice something. That's our amen. Because his promise is yes. The Bible says that he'll honor the desires of your heart. In that same verse, it says, as you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll honor the desires of your heart. Sometimes we forget that process. I want to celebrate and know you and know your resurrection. It says, but also to relate to you in your death and suffering. I'm getting real weird there, but there's something about this process. There's something about us dying to selves and building something and being open and creating that fireplace. Listen, this building just didn't appear. Talking about these guys, man, had families, marriages, little kids. Kurt, Heath, John, Matt, so many others would be here hammering things, stalling these lights, putting every piece of stone on the outside of that building. We did this for a year so that the next generation could receive an inheritance from the Lord. So I don't want my altar to just be built for me. I want my altar to be built for my kids their kids and their kids' kids. And I'm not just talking about a physical thing. I'm talking about a metaphorical thing that I'm building something and I'm paying a price so that others don't have to pay that price. I'm giving up lying and lust and pornography so that my kids and their, their husbands don't have to deal with that because I broke off a generational curse. That's the altars I want to build, clean hands and a pure heart. It's interesting fish also represented fertility that nephish and that, that Hebrew word was also fertility for life and having children I believe that for this body I believe that this body those who seek um, marriage will find marriage I believe that because God is faithful I believe those who want children will be able to have children I believe in fertility I believe God will bless that it's a hardship that I don't know about but I empathize with as I can. All right, enough of me. Could you guys just gather up? Just come on up. I, even from the balcony, come down. I know we might be in the aisles. That's fine. Just make this, con this conscious effort just to come forward. There's something about just stepping out. You don't have to kneel. It doesn't matter. I know that might get hard. Just whatever it is, just come forward right now. I don't know what it is you need to build an altar for. I don't know what it is you're seeking the Lord for in 24 or these 21 days or, or right now in this season of your life. But I know there's things. Take a step forward. There's people that need to come in behind you. Come all the way up. There's something about the hunger of building an altar. There's something prophetic about building an altar. There's something significant about building an altar in our hearts, in our mind's eye, and sometimes even physically invitation who will ascend the hill who will build an altar for the Lord to put fire in it so in your own way right now they're going to lead in worship in your own way just build your altar in your heart however that looks like for you just build your altar when you're done 
You are free to go. You are free to be dismissed. God bless you guys.